Well, hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Every Mom Needs a Friend. So if you follow the podcast on Instagram, you know that I've labeled this episode as a very on-brand episode because this is something that, A, I can speak to from experience, but B, something that's been a catalyst for this podcast forming really in the first place. So today we're working through the question of, should you move for your husband's job? And let me over-preface a little by saying that obviously there's many examples of people moving for a wife's job, but to be authentic to me and just to be clear, we have really never moved for my job. So you hear me in this episode kind of going in between you, your spouse, your husband, your job, your husband's job. But I just really know that this can translate most commonly over in decision making for moving for any spouse's job. But it's just my story that we've moved to our fifth city for Christopher's jobs. So with that disclaimer behind us, I also wanted to ask you to really hold on through this episode all the way to the end because I have a special guest and I do some extra clarification in the outro that I feel like will be really helpful to you. So let's just go ahead and jump in so you can work through the idea of moving for your husband's job with me. Okay, so this is such an interesting thing for me to talk about because the whole topic of what I'm talking about today is basically one of the catalysts for why I even started this podcast. I have moved four times for Christopher's job and there has been ups and downs to every single city. There's been ups and downs to every single move. There's been things I've looked back on fondly and things I've looked back on and wished things would have been a little different. But one thing I feel like it just has to be said is I have never moved for my job. So I worked for about seven, eight years before I had Ellie. And the company that I worked for, although I traveled a lot, never required me to be in the location of the headquarters, which felt very ahead of its time. That was way before work from home was a thing. In fact, at the time when I did work from home because we moved for Christopher's job, I was the only one at my company that did work from home. So it was just super cool to be at a company that was super supportive of the work from home life, even before COVID was a thing. And they were always really supportive of me following Christopher around the country from city to city. And my job, hand in hand, got more and more of a travel position. So I probably just talked about this in the intro, but this really came with the idea that I have done this before, so this is something I can actually speak into when it comes to this podcast. And to be clear, life is not in a vacuum, and so the things that I'll talk about today doesn't mean that it will necessarily 100% transfer over, but at least I can say I've done this several times, and we've had to go through the pro and con list, all the things that you would think of kind of cliche-ly, but then we also created some of our own systems to acclimate better and to figure out if the decision is the right decision. So one thing I'll say is the first thing and the most important thing is the job has to make sense. The upside benefit has to make sense, not just from a dollar perspective. It's really easy to look at that dollar sign and be so excited about it, but there's so much more that goes into a job than obviously just a paycheck and the benefits. And it's really easy if you're an emotional person like I am to just see a dollar sign and be excited about that. But really, you have to think about the standpoint of the goodwill and the momentum that you or your spouse currently has in their current role. Is this position going to provide enough of additional upside to justify the change? So if you were able to even quantify that, is that going to make up the difference? And then it should be then some. Because you hope every year you get some sort of pay bump or some sort of merit increase when you're at a position in a company. But 
to be honest, what I've seen is that people tend to have that higher jump from a dollar perspective when they move from company to company. But that's just not what you can only look at. You have to look at the momentum that you were building at the company, the upside that you were going to have and that you are stepping away from. And for me, like I said, we haven't ever moved for my job. And so for this, I get to be Christopher's listening ear and kind of devil's advocate when we talk about this when he brings up these points when he's looking at a different company. And quickly just jumping back, we have moved for jobs inside and outside of the company that Christopher's worked for. So we've had to make the decision to not just jump from role to role or city to city, but from a whole new working environment, new leadership, new company. And so there's a little more, you could say, scariness that comes with that because there's less understanding of how it's really going to work out. But we have only seen positive come from that. We love where Christopher is and we're so thankful for the position he's currently in. And he only got to that position by making those tough decisions and taking those risks. But one thing I can say for sure, and the second thing I'll bring up is you or your husband, you have to want the job. Like you have to be excited and look forward to the challenge in the company. So it kind of furthers the point of not just the dollar perspective increase, you have to think about the actual role and is it going to fit into your wheelhouse, but also provide you the growth and the stretching ability that's going to set you up for even the next position. And you have to be careful here because there can be days when every job just absolutely S-U-C-K-S, but that doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. And there really is an aspect of paying your dues. So whatever phase you are in your career, you need to keep that in mind as well. But the idea here is that If you're not even excited about what you're functionally doing, you're going to get burnt out really quick and you're going to build resentment and it's going to spill over into your marriage, which is something I want to just make sure I make clear here today is that your husband's job, your job, your life, how you spend your time, it spills over into marriage. There's just no way around that. So you have to be really careful. And when I'm talking to other gals or families about this, when they say, you know, we're trying to figure out if this is the right decision to move, I bring up this story often about one of Christopher's roles that he loved, um, but he was going through kind of a trying time in that role. He was coming home almost every day. And the first thing he would say when he'd walk through the door was, these are the tough parts of my day. This is the challenges I'm going through. I'm so happy to be home. I'm so exhausted. Basically negative, negative, negative. And Christopher and I, I would say pride ourselves on, for the most part, being very positive people, really seeing the glass half full. Not that we're not realistic people, but I just love that we definitely try to look on the bright side of things. Even we can see tough things as a growth opportunity, but it just felt like we were creating this cycle of just negative feeding on negative, feeding on negative. And so not saying that I'm great. I just know in this time was the time that I had to call out Christopher and say, hey, it's really important for me to just hear the good parts of your day too. And he's like, oh yeah, there were actually really cool parts too. It's just those bad parts. Sometimes they're the last thing I do at the end of the day, or maybe I didn't get the opportunity to decompress on the way home. But if you're the person that's staying at home and your husband is the one that's going to work and they're the reason that you moved to that place, you might have a bad day and you're kind of banking on the fact that they're loving their job. Again, not really rightfully so because you can't put all of your happiness on the other person, but it's just something to be said that if you're both looking for the positive, you're going to feed off each other's positivity. And Christopher was allowed to kind of unload to me or talk about the tough parts of his day. I just really needed to hear the good parts too. 
And it's really just kind of something I learned in a sorority long ago of PCP. We've talked about this before on the podcast of if you're going to talk about bad stuff, just remember to bring in the good stuff too, the positive before talking about the con, but then sandwiching it with another positive. But okay, so with those two things kind of behind that the job makes sense and your husband really does look forward to the actual tactical functions of the job. So you're kind of 75% sure you're gonna take it. This is a big part and this is something we've done and really has been given to us. We really haven't had to push very hard, but if this isn't an opportunity and you're about to make a big jump, ask for an exploratory trip. Hopefully you know what I mean when I say that, but basically the idea is that what's cool is Christopher's companies that he's worked for really didn't allow him to say yes to a position before him and I together visited the city. Some of it, if I'm just being honest, feels a little bit like a boondoggle because if the company's paying for you to travel to a city and you get to go to fun restaurants and especially with me and Christopher, we're so excitable that it's fun to see all the cool parts of a new city, it would make it pretty hard for us to to not fall in love with that city or get excited about the next step. But an exploratory trip is so important. And the biggest part and the way that I've seen this done right, at least for us, is doing the research before. I am definitely a person who loves a good itinerary. I feel like I surround myself with people when we go on vacation who love itineraries. But this takes some detailed research before. It could even mean, which I was at one position where Christopher's boss's wife talk to me on the phone for a whole hour, talk to me about the area, talk to me about the things that she wanted me to kind of look at. I mean, that's gold, y'all. If you can find someone that's local, that's gonna kind of hit you straight about the good and the bad and allow you to go during that exploratory trip and really experience those things, it's going to set you up for further success, even if it's that you're gonna probably still say yes, but it allows you to have more eyes wide open as you walk into that city. So it would be great if you were going to a city where you knew someone personally, kind of like unbiased outside of the company, but Even if it's just someone from the potential company, try to go out to dinner with them as a local talk to them about their day-to-day life, talk to them about, I know it sounds silly, but the weather, talk to them about what it's like to live there. Those things do affect you way more. I mean, talking from a person who lives in Seattle and it's the whole idea of it rains a lot, it does rain a lot. And so it's interesting to really talk about what does that actually look like. I will say before I move on to the next point, I have seen some people get burnt by jumping on the exploratory trip as an exciting thing and then not taking the job. That's fine. You can actually do that, but it's really, um, like it burns the bridge. There's no other way to say it. So you have to be like over 75% sure. I'd be even more conservative to say you're like 90% sure you're gonna take it. Again, you can say no, but it's just, it's not gonna look good if you do. So that's fine. Just make sure you're doing the research before so that you know what you're walking into and you can set yourself up for success when you ultimately make the decision. And But let's talk about when it's time to make the decision. The most succinct way I will say this is if you say no, don't regret it don't look back, move on. It is probably the best thing in life to just kind of go, yes, I'm gonna make my yeses be yeses and my noes be noes. And I can't say I've always been good at this, like not even from really a job perspective or removing perspective, but I know that I've been like wanting to keep feet in both areas and it just doesn't work. Like fully commit if you're gonna commit. So if you say no, it's okay, don't regret it, don't look back. But something so exciting is you also could say yes. So if you say yes, 
This begins the long process of falling in love with the city you're about to enter. So let's talk about some things that are just more like logistical, tangible about actually saying yes. There is a negotiation process, obviously. I'm not really going to speak to this in the sense that, I mean, if you want my husband's email, you can talk to him about it. He's really good at that part. But for me, the things I think about is, so now I have this family. I have these girls that I'm going to be moving across the country or moving into a new city. Is there going to be a temporary housing option? Does the company offer this? Or is there even the opportunity to take a lump sum option? Or are you going to like build the company for your time? How is the moving process going to work? How's the packing up process? We have been so fortunate to have opportunities where the company helped us move. It would be really hard for me at this point because I've been so spoiled by actually having to pack up all my stuff and transport it across the country by myself. So the logistical part of moving across the country, especially for us coast to coast, it, it, it took over a month to get our stuff to us and we really didn't want to do temporary housing so we had to work through that but then you're also thinking about where am i going to live so you have this job and it's at a location you're going to look at the areas within a comfortable radius of the office and then you need to think about your creature comforts so for me it was super important for christopher to not have this huge commute so when he was done with his work day see you in an hour which is very possible we've lived in big cities where traffic is a huge issue and if you can on that exploratory trip really try to travel during those rush hour times or talk to people what it's like with traffic flow because honestly, where we are in Seattle right now, it feels like Christopher is almost opposite of the traffic, which has been really sweet. So for us, when we're looking at areas, we wanna make sure that he's not gonna be more than, let's say 20 to 30 minutes at most for a commute home. What's interesting, and I'll quickly tangent, is that that time home has been so important for our marriage. That's when Christopher's time to fully disconnect from work. He will either call somebody fun or listen to a podcast or do whatever he needs to do. By the time that he's home, he's with us. And so it's interesting because I'm like, I feel like the 20 minute commute is really great for our family, but it could be different for you and what phase of life you're in. And you might have the threshold to have a longer commute or your husband might work during different hours where rush hour isn't a huge deal. But then also when I think about my creature comforts, there are things like a church. Where am I going to go to church? A gym, where am I going to join? Schools, my kids are going to be school age. Also, kid activities, and you might even have housing requirements. Like for us, it's always been so important for us to have a backyard. We don't have this at this house, meaning that we have weighed the pros and cons of different things and decided that a large backyard isn't as important as X, Y, or Z. But that's one of the things that we always think about. And so if you want to have a big backyard and live in Seattle, you're going to be basically pigeonholing yourself into different parts of the city. Another thing I do though, to kind of get to know a city is I start, I know this is silly because like Facebook, it's like every mom's dream, but like you can like and follow the schools around you, the moms of the city, you can follow local government. And it kind of gives you a taste ahead of time about the different activities in the town, what people are complaining about, because by the way, that's what people do on those pages. But I've always been, and I still am actually like moms of Bedford, New Hampshire. Hampshire, moms of McKinney, Texas. It's very funny to kind of look at what that city is still going on, even though I don't live there anymore, because a lot of them have similar themes, but it really does allow you to kind of get to know the city. Um, so use your Facebook and use those next door apps and that type of thing and just start liking and following things. But okay, I could talk for a hundred more years about 
where you need to live, how you do that. It's just, it's so specific for every city. I don't know how much more I could actually talk about it. I'd love to talk with you in person about it. But let's say you've decided where you're gonna live. Here is where it becomes the long, long journey of making connections in the city. Like I talked about, if you're able to talk to some people at the company you're moving for, You can talk to those locals about the areas to live, what it's actually like, but then you're just gonna step on the gas. There's no other way I can explain it except I have stepped on the gas in every city that I've lived in. You're gonna join groups. You're gonna ask to do playdates. You're gonna do all the activities. There's mom's groups at churches. At the gym, you can do group fitness. I've joined tennis, even though I'm not really great at it. I love it and it's a way for me to connect with other women. You have to be so, so intentional about building into your routine an actual schedule. And actually, I'll say to pause quickly, this is where I am right now. I am building my routine. I am making consistency for myself because A, that works with my personality, but B, what's really cool is as things are layered in, I get to start going, ooh, how do I actually want to spend my time? And it's full of the balance of what I talked about. I have my group fitness classes. I'm going to mom's groups at churches. And what's cool is I am just going on all these playdates, although they might not all be the most perfect playdates, I do make connections. I do get to set up for future playdates a schedule. I get to see a mom every couple weeks and we get to go to the park and we talk about things and it just makes me feel like, okay, I'm a local. I live in the city. I have friends, (laughs) but okay. I maybe we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I I'm going to jump to the next thing, which is so important because I am so, so passionate about keeping your marriage strong when you move. Everything else ultimately crumbles if your marriage isn't strong because that can be the most beautiful thing about moving. And so what I have said once and what I will say again, I have a whole podcast episode on it, but you need to get a babysitter and explore the city that you've moved to. I've actually had friends that have reached out um, when I have moved to these different cities, friends that have known me my whole life, and they've said they're actually almost a little bit jealous that we've had these whole weekends with no expectations. We don't have to see anybody because, I mean, by the way, we don't know anybody, but we do get to spend time together. And that is so sweet. It's almost like like you're going to college as a freshman with your husband and you're married. You have all this newness ahead of you and all these things to explore and all these fun things to do. And I mean, it's fun to do it with your kids. We've done so many cool things in Seattle with our girls, but I will say nothing really takes the cake like getting a babysitter and getting to go try new restaurants and do new things with my best friend, my husband. Ugh, I just feel like I could talk about that forever. But so now, now you've made the decision, you have decided where you're gonna live, you've said yes, there might be a transition of logistics and just a time frame of kind of limbo. I could talk about that forever, that's a really tough time. But now you've moved and real life is hitting you in the face. You're in this new city and you're like, now what? Christopher and I talk about this is the stock the fridge section of life. And so you have fun new things because you get to stock the fridge, but there's tough things of like you have to pay to stock the fridge. And also there's just like trying to figure out what this new life is going to be in this new place. So I wanted to break up this kind of last section of this part of the episode where I kind of want to talk about the good and the bad parts of moving. There's probably a lot more than this, but this is just when it comes to my experience, what I've seen as four good things and four bad things that are a part of moving. And I know it's silly, but I'm going to start with the good and end with the bad. I hope that's okay. So let's start with good. What I just finished talking about and what is so good is you will never feel closer to your spouse. 
you're going to go through really, really tough things and you're not going to have the comforts of other people to rely on. For me, that's my mom. For me, that's my best friends. And those people are still there. They're just at a distance. So tangibly, who's in front of me? It's Christopher. He's there day in, day out. He's seeing the good and bad parts. And it is so dang sweet and refining of your marriage. And I feel blessed to have gotten the opportunity to not just lean on Christopher as my spouse, but as my best friend, my confidant, my person I go through with really tough things because he's there and he sees it and we're working through it together. And there's this team aspect that I just, you can't recreate in any other situation. What's another good thing? So you gain perspective and guess what? Your kids do too. Even Ellie at four years old, she has a perspective that other four-year-olds don't have. And I know this is silly, but it's what I talk about with like kids being in team sports or kids sharing a room. It is such an intangible lesson to teach your kids that not everything revolves around them and really your little box of a city. And guess what? What's really cool, and you can do this even if you don't move, but guess what? You have data to conclude that they should one day get outside of their comfort zones. They should push themselves past their limit and they should look for opportunities and not be scared of the risk. So that's so, so good. And so, okay. So number one, you'll never feel closer to your spouse. Number two, you'll gain perspective. Number three, another good. You get to create a body of friendships around the country and you'll probably not stay in that city forever. Most likely when you're moving for a position, you're probably not gonna finish your life there. Maybe you do, but guess what? You'll always have these friends. And I've talked about this before that it's not a zero sum game. You get to just increase your pie. Yes, you will miss out on the proximity of being next door neighbors with your best friend that you've had your whole life. But I say to that, I feel so blessed that I have friends that have seen me through different seasons that have been there and have only known me as Anna Duffy. They never even knew me as Anna Brewer. There's just different seasons for friendships. And it's really sweet to say that I have this body of gals that love me across the country. How cool is that? And and they're not going anywhere. They're, they can still be your sweet friends even if you move on. And guess what? Your friends that you still have in your hometown, those friends will still be there and you'll still get to go back and visit. And maybe you'll end up there like we hope to one day. But I am still going to have all of these people that I call so close to me. They're still going to be there and I can still go visit them. And we get to look back on that time so fondly of when we intersected our lives. So that's so, so sweet. And I'm so thankful for all those gals that have been a part of my journey. And with that, what is the last good? At least on my list, I see it as an adventure. I am not a spontaneous person. I am not a self-proclaimed adventurous person. I definitely am a confident person, but those things don't always go together. Christopher is definitely more adventurous, maybe more spontaneous. But one thing I've grown to love is this is a cool adventure that you get to go on. Life is not boring when you move. And you will see things that you would have never seen. You'll meet people you would have never met. You'll have more fun and you'll have different types of fun that other people won't get to experience. And guess what? People will come visit you and you get to play tourist with those people. You get to show your people that you've known your whole life, this whole new city, and they will have never gotten to see it through the eyes of a local. And that's you. Isn't that weird? (laughs) It is just so cool to experience different cities and all the things that they have to offer. One thing I always say 
my Aunt Bonnie used to say this long ago, is America is beautiful. So when we've done these moves around the country and we've gotten to do these little mini road trips and these little mini weekend things or these date nights, we look around and go, we live here. How cool is this? And not that you wouldn't have that in your city where you've grown up or your comfort zone or this or that. It's just really fun to experience new things, like I said, with your favorite person, with your spouse. So there's many more good things, but let's unfortunately talk about the bad things that are a part of moving. I know that people want to hear the good things. Like I said, I am a positive person, but there is truly bad things about moving. And I just think it's funny that I'm ending with this. But let me talk to you about the truthfully bad things a part of moving. So bad number one, this is just my heartstring, but logistics. It's the dumb stuff. It's like setting up your utilities, canceling your previous utilities. How many times have I sent something to my old address? You got to update it on Amazon. You got to update it on every single shopping website that you use. I have had friends that have had to continually go to my old house in New Hampshire and pick up boxes because I just keep accidentally sending them there. It's horrible. Also, oh, I hate this part, but setting up all the new doctors, all the doctor's appointments, transferring paperwork. I know it's silly, but y'all, it is enough, especially when you have kids and you have a lot of people to juggle. It's just so much logistics and so much organization that it just really does wear on you. And I have found myself being like, if I have to talk to one more person on the phone, I just want it to be easy. And that's why I haven't gone to the dentist this year, y'all. So I need to do that. I will set it up, but it's just all of these things kind of pile up and they get a little frustrating. So of course, that's not the reason to say no to a move, but it's just a realistically bad thing. Number two, and this one's a lot more deep and a lot more tough, I would say, than the logistics. But number two, you're going to go through really, really tough things and you're not going to have your core support people with you. So yes, Hopefully that person is your husband, but if you're a well-balanced person, you probably have other people in your life that help you in these different times. And for us, we've gone through really dark things like miscarriage and people passing away, and we have not been able to always be there and had people around us that we would have loved to. Christopher and I always say, this city would be great if all of our people were here. But just a tangent real quickly, you will grow really close with the new friends you make here, and you're going to grow closer with them quicker because you'll need them. I think about in New Hampshire, how those women came around me after I miscarried. I think about here in Seattle, even I had a friend that on our very first play date, and she's actually like a really normal, great person, even though it sounds a little bit like, whoa, she was like, if you go into labor, will you call me? Because you don't have anybody. What are you going to do with Ellie and Kate? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. Then that did create a little bit of anxiety about like, what am I going to do if I go into labor early? But it is nice to know that I do have someone here who says, call me, I'll come over. And that's like really bonding. So Although you're going to have some really sweet parts, it really does just S-U-C-K to go through really tough things without your core support system, whoever that is. And then you're also going to miss out, like I talked about, there's tough things, but you'll miss out on good things. You will have FOMO and it will be real. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. I personally have had that kind of my whole life, but in a weird way, my FOMO has been increased and my FOMO has been cured. So just to pair it nicely with that, it's just, you're going to be so grateful for the things you get to go do, but also like y'all, we we're in the middle of this two years of basically COVID and craziness away from our family. I didn't get to go down the street and go see my parents. There was huge chunks of time, the closest we got to experiencing 
our core support system was through a FaceTime. And that's just not the same. And friends had babies and I missed birthdays and I missed all these things that I wanted to get back for. And we said yes to a lot of things that we probably should have said no to. And we unfortunately had to say no to things that we just really can't believe that we missed out on. So you're gonna miss out on things and that's just a reality of it. You can't get back for everything, but okay. Last bad thing I'll say, and I'll end it with this, is that for me, especially in light of every mom needs a friend, you're going to have a lot of friend dates, hopefully. You're going to say yes to everything. At least that's my challenge to you is say yes to everything. And guess what? Some of those friend dates are going to fall flat. I know that's like aggressive to say because everybody has intrinsic value and everybody is going to bring something to the table. But by the way, I've just gotten really good at shallow conversations and I just know my elevator speech. And I've even talked to some friends here where I've said, it's almost like I wish I could bring a business card to every play date so that we could just get over those first couple things. Yes, I have three brothers. Yes, none of them live in the same city. Yes, this is our fifth city we've lived in as a married couple. I have this many kids, blah, blah, blah. All the things that you say to someone when you first meet them, it's just you get a little bit of tiredness when you have to say that over and over and over. For me in New Hampshire, I got a little bit tired of like, oh, you're from the South. You have such a Southern accent. And then here, oh, is this your first like winter, the gray days? How are you doing? All of the rain, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. Ha ha ha. And with that being said, it's just like tough because you will miss your like core best friends. I know I have had so much luck and so much gratefulness for the people that are my friends here in Seattle, in New Hampshire. I am just overjoyed to say that I have sweet friends. But I will say that there was definite times in New Hampshire, here, Dallas, where I would call my friends back home and I would be crying just being like I have never felt this lonely in my whole life and it was hard because you almost have this pridefulness this entitlement of like I don't need any of you I have all my friends and they live in a different city but I'm really popular and I have all these things that I could go to but I'm sitting here with nothing to do on a Friday night and I feel sad about that I mean, don't even get me started on how social media can both be good and bad for this. Good in the sense that you are able to keep up with your people and see all these great pictures and feel like you're not as disconnected. And then so bad because all of your best friends get together and you're like, well, I know what I'd be doing if I was in X, Y, or Z place. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of moments where you feel lonely, a lot of moments where you feel very pitiful, and you definitely can perpetuate that in your spouse as well. But That's why I can be so thankful that Christopher and I do the best we can to kind of be each other's balance in those times. It's not always like that, just to be realistic, but I'm so thankful that I don't have to truly be lonely because I do have Christopher. And one last little tip I'll say is that it's all monkeys in a barrel. Do you know what I mean when I say that? So if you're saying no to play dates, you're potentially missing out on future friendships. I know I have made friends from people where I said yes to a play date and their friend is who I actually ended up being closer with. And that's okay, that's good. So say yes to everything. Like I said, step on the gas. Okay, so, but with all that being said, It would be kind of silly to have this whole episode and not interview Christopher on this very topic. Christopher, of course, has been there for every single step of this, and he has a whole new perspective, although we've kind of morphed into this same brain when it comes to this because we've done this so many times. So I'm going to pause here, and I'm going to jump to an interview where I interviewed my sweet husband to talk about this very topic. Okay. Christopher, you're back. You haven't been on in so many episodes. I know. I'm kind of getting nervous again. (laughs) Like it's my first time. (laughs) 
it's just truly not. It's like your 50th time, but I'm so thankful you're back. You know what we're talking about today. So it's something that is so core to both of our hearts, which is so sweet. And like I've talked about on the episode already. College football starting today. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. No, it's about moving, which is the reason that I even really started this podcast was I've had these bouts of loneliness and blah, 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 blah. But that being said, let's do a quick catch up. So today is sweetly a Saturday. Four Saturdays from now, we will be having sweet baby plant. I'm so excited. So it's been just a cool Saturday for a hundred reasons, but I know you and I keep going, what is it going to be like in four weeks exactly from this moment, exactly from this moment? You know, we looked at each other at 930 in the morning. We're like at 930. Like it's so exciting and so many fun things are ahead, but it's been a sweet Saturday. Obviously, like you said, roll tide, Alabama. We're so pumped. But also, will you tell the listeners about our float experience? Explain it and then talk about it yeah so uh roll tide by the way so this saturday is like on the calendar for the whole year ahead of it it really is first real college football saturday yeah and bama won decisively there were some other really great games and so we grilled out great day great day but our sweet friends the yorks did crazy cool very intentional awesome gift and they got us a gift card to this thing called float seattle and so what it is is a sensory deprivation tank and that's right yeah and i've never done this before you've never done this before and i think it's in a lot of different cities i've kind of heard of the concept heard of it like some celebrities do it a certain podcaster that i really like does (laughs) it and so definitely was not an unfamiliar concept but we both got to do it today and it was a crazy experience so for those that don't know what this is you basically get in this saltwater tank and they put like a thousand pounds of epsom salt in there is that what it is yeah and so it's like the Dead Sea in Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Where like you are not going to sink if you lay flat on this thing. Like you can try as hard as you want to sink and and you will not. And it's only like eight inches of water, but you, you go in, you, you put like earplugs in so your ears don't get filled with salty water and rot your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but you basically put earplugs in, you rinse off, you jump in. And by the way, not wearing any clothes. That, yeah, I don't know if that's our <laughs> little secret or whatever, but <laughs> that's what everyone does. We weren't there I together, asked. but yeah. Uh, so. We, but you get in there and you're you're laying there and you basically get to this place where you, you don't have anything that you see, you can't hear, you don't feel your own body weight, and you're really just feeling your breath. It kind of feels like when your arm goes numb and you're like, do I still have an arm there? And some like for me, when I was inside it, I had to sometimes move my fingers to remind myself I still had hands. I don't know if you did that, but I just had this truly experience of. I don't know where I am in the world. Yeah, I think you probably went a little more meta than I, I did. Think I, did. I think uh, I did. And for me, it was like just really relaxing to realize how much stress I keep in like my shoulders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, and I thought a lot about like my life in twenty year chunks. It was yeah. a very like significant experience, but we got to do that today. Really fun, and I would totally recommend it again. Again, shout out to the Yorks for doing that. Like, Mm -hmm. really fun, very intentional gift. I think as a pregnant woman, it's going to be my future gift for every pregnant woman if they have one in their area because it was just such an amazing relief on my lower back, on my joints. The whole idea of getting to lay directly on your back, if you know, you know, you can't do it. So that whole idea of getting to list lay directly on my back so to speak because obviously i'm laying on water it was just so cool yeah it was awesome and i love the really intentional thought around it so shout out to the orcs very sweet so that was a very fun saturday like we said it's float seattle although there's probably float in other parts of the country but so christopher you know i'm bringing you on today to talk about 
moving, I have one more little bit of a tangential thing, which I haven't done a big question in this episode, so we mm. do the big question. Yeah, that's wrong thing. Okay, let's warm them up. One, two, three. Ooh, that was so good. Okay, very silly. But do you know where the idea of rule of thumb comes from? That concept of rule of thumb. Do you know what that came from? No, I'll challenge you back. Do you know what century it came from? Um, yes, because I'm going to explain it to you. Um, I'm bad with dates, but you will probably be able to tell me when it came from because it actually came a lot more recent than you think. Okay. So rule of thumb is from the concept of if you are by a, would it be an atom bomb or a nuclear bomb? Is that the same thing? Sure. If you live in an area where there is nuclear fuel or atom bombs, again, I'm going to botch this a little bit. And let's say that power plant explodes and you have the mushroom cloud, right? We've all seen it before. (laughs) How do you know if you're supposed to flee the area? (laughs) Meaning, are you going to get affected by this atom bomb? Is it the the length of a thumb on a map? Nope. You take your thumb, you're looking at this mushroom cloud and you're going, shoot, should I run away or should I stay put? Which by the way, you probably should run away. But if you stick your thumb up and your thumb fully covers the whole mushroom cloud, you're far enough away. And if, if not, you just bury your head. If you not, you are already die. probably affected by it, let's be honest, and you just hope Jesus would come quicker. That's all I'll say. Is this really where a rule of thumb came from? I'm, pr- I'm like, mm, let me give you a realistic, I think I'm like 60% sure. Oh, gosh. But so, I mean, hey, anybody can look it up. I'm going to be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? reboot one day and this is gonna come up one lifeline you call me and i'm like it's rule of thumb and they're like sorry that was actually c (laughs) not that answer okay so with that big question that was the biggest question we've ever discussed out of the way it makes me want to just go ahead and quickly jump in now the listeners that have already heard me talk through all the insights that you and i have talked through a hundred times i feel like and as we've talked to other couples kind of mentored them through this whole idea i feel like we brought up a lot of the concepts i've talked about so you'll hear it when you hopefully listen to the episode on your way to work on Monday. But so I, I've cited this before. We're not really going to belabor the point, but you kind of have this concept that you have seen us go through multiple times of when we move, what kind of happens? What's the natural life cycle of that? So I wanted you to give just kind of the quick and dirty on what is the natural life cycle to moving when it comes to at least our family. Yeah. And, and, there is kind of a almost formulaic approach and I and I can't take full credit for this like your brother Jake and Katie have moved around a lot too and and what's awesome is we we, we both have kind of done this now a number of times I think they're they're done with the concept of moving um, and one day I hope we are too but Jake and I through talking through this he's mentored me through this and I've encouraged him there's kind of these this cycle it feels formulaic almost mm-hmm. each city we've lived in we've had it and I hope we're on the upswing of this here in Seattle but you know, really, when you when you start the process, there's this like honeymoon period where you're there. It's exciting. You haven't gone to any new restaurants yet. You're like picking new places. You've got a reservation. You finally find a babysitter. Whatever you're gonna do, and you go out, and it's like, ooh, this is really fun. It feels like you're on your honeymoon, and it's like very new, very exciting. And then then you kind of get past that, and you kind of maybe you're a month in, and you you know you don't have anything to do on the weekend, and you kind of reach this point where you're like oh crap okay I, I live here but this is okay like we're gonna make it through it whatever and you have like a little bit of a renewed excitement after that and it's like you know what we're gonna figure this out like it's okay it's like this is kind of new and you kind of ride this high for a little bit and then th- there's an inevitable moment when like work is hard you're lonely we miss like a family event or whatever it's gonna be or we miss old friends and it is like the low 
And then you think, like, this sucks. Like, why do we do this? This job's not worth it. I miss our old house. Whatever it's going to be. And you really... It's kind of where I feel like you you hit the lull. It's kind of the closest you get to almost like regretting it, which I don't think we actually have regretted any of the moves that we've ever done, but that's the that's the closest you teeter with yeah, that idea. You really do. And then you hopefully hit this point where you start to say, okay, like I found a positive today. And I, and I really think for us, we really were feeling it pretty hard here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. At the end of what I'll call rainy season yeah. at this year, right, where we're like, we hadn't really caught a lot of momentum with friends yet, and it had been rainy the whole time, and, like, my job's kind of stressful, so I'm really leaning into it. You were pregnant and, like, really started to feel it. The girls are tough, and we hadn't had family out, and it was just like, ooh, this is kind of tough. Mm-hmm. And then it was, like, summer hit here, and then we started hanging out with some friends, and mm-hmm. work is a little more manageable, and it's kind of like, okay. This, this isn't our favorite city on the planet, mm-hmm. and this isn't the easiest thing we've ever done, but it's not bad, yeah. you know? And so you kind of start to, like, pivot back up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all, the on-ramp to, like, positivity and dealing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not saying it's perfect at all. Like, I think you and I both sit here and think, like, we would love to be near family, yeah. like, being able to see them, live by our people. Yeah. It's not where we are currently, but at least we're on the on-ramp where we are to a more positive experience. And I think it's important for you to call it that in on-ramp because there's not going to be a moment where you're like, I've made it. It's now perfect. I mean, maybe people have that. We have never had that. We have had times where we can celebrate those daily wins. And also there's been moments where we kind of look a little bit backwards. We're able to reminisce a little bit and go, wait, this has been really great. This has been a great month. This has been a great week. This has been a great whatever period of time. And that shows progress and it is an on-ramp because there still is going to be potentially little bumps in the road, but you're moving towards growth. You're moving towards good. So at least how I thought about it, I will say you've done a great job of explaining it today kind of quickly, is that the moving cycle, you have a honeymoon phase, you have a small dip, you have a renewed excitement, you maybe have a bad dip, but then ultimately you end where kind of we are. And in my mind, you kind of spend the rest of your time in this new city that's not home. That's not the place that you would call quote unquote home on this on-ramp to the good parts. And there's a lot of good parts. There's a lot of fun ahead. And with that being said, I want to end with this, that you and I have talked about this a lot, a lot offline, but a lot online on the podcast about day to day. You now live here in this city. How do you do it? How do you do the day-to-day tough parts, the kind of metaphorical day-to-day, just like life cycle routine, that round and round and round? For me, I have always thought it is a mindset. At the end of the day, like it's a choice, just like marriage is a choice, just like probably a lot of good things in life are a choice. You have to put your mind on every day and go, I live here. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. Despite all of these hard things despite the fact that we live here it's a mindset and you and i've talked about this before that if you can find the ability to think outside of the box for a second when you're in those moments when you're in those tough times and find a way to classify it as momentary stress seasonal stress or this is forever stress like i've talked about before momentary stress is what we would call literally me being pregnant right now Y'all heard it if you listened to last week's episode, but I'm dealing with this sty. That's momentary stress, so to speak. But then there's seasonal stress, and that might be 
a kid that's having a tough time, a new endeavor that's taking up a lot of your energy, but it's not gonna be forever. And then there's forever stress. And those are the things that I would classify as like huge, really tough things like miscarriage or huge tough things like cancer or somebody passing away. Those are things you're gonna have to continually deal with no matter what for the rest of your life. So as long as you're not taking those day-to-day tough things that you go through and calling them forever stress when they're not appropriately categorized like that, you're gonna have the ability to kind of take a big deep breath and move on to the next thing and give you the ability to look back at all the great things that have happened and kind of create a cycle of gratefulness. Do you agree with that? I feel like we've talked about this a lot, especially in this season of life that's been a little hard. Like this summer has been so sweet and I'm glad that you called it that, but it's also been a hard summer too because like I'm pregnant and I'm away from all my people and it's been a little bit of a dry spell with people visiting and that's hard too because that's what I look forward to, but. Yeah, fair point. I think for us, we have done such a, like a great job lately and this is us petting each other on the back, by the way. So I think we've done a good job for us, relatively speaking lately, of saying, hey, remember this is short term. Yeah. And remember this is seasonal. Like mm-hmm. in four weeks, we'll have a child in arms. Yeah. That's nothing. Like four weeks ago, we were like, I can remember what we ate for dinner. Mm-hmm. Like piece of cake to like put myself four weeks from now. And that has done a good job of framing these things up for us. And, and so keeping things like in perspective is so, so important. I think it goes back to like the moving concept too. Like. Mm-hmm maintain perspective yeah. and like know these things are coming yeah. if you want to pursue a move and then know that you'll get past them too. For us, both of our parents moved and we both ended up in Louisville. Like our parents didn't grow up in Louisville. Right. But now like Louisville's home for us mm-hmm. and our parents made Louisville home. Mm-hmm. They kept things in perspective. And I think it's important for us to remember that too as we go through these different cycles that like, we yearn for home. But our parents like yearn for their home and didn't go back and they made a home and they fought through those things too. They maintained a different perspective. And I really think that's an important concept for us to remember in short-term things and long-term things like you alluded to. Yes. Oh, so good, Christopher. Thank you so much for jumping on for this last little segment. I know this is going to be a longer episode, but it's something that is so important and honestly something I get asked about a lot of like, how'd you do it? Do you regret doing it? Would you do it again? For me, I am so thankful for every single move and every single decision that we've made. They haven't always been easy, but... As I've talked about before, you didn't get to hear this part, but I've gotten to do it with you. And that's my favorite thing about me is that I'm married to you. And so thank you for doing this with me. And thank you for being the leader of our household and having to take a lot of this on your shoulder. I feel like I have the coolest job in the world because I get to be your wife and the mom to these three children. So thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm kidding. No. (laughs) Thank you too. Like it it is such a partnership, right? Like I, I would fail epically without this right and one of our dearest friends is in the process of moving right now we've talked him through a lot he's currently in the first weekend away from his wife and kids and hating it like Mm -hmm. he already misses them and i feel so much for him right now because you really need your team you need your team it is a team thing and while one person on the team says we have to go run this play everybody lives and dies by the play right and we're all on the same team and so I really can't thank you enough, too, for being on the team with me. I would fail epically without you. So thank you. Well, I always say, we always say together that things that are hard can still be good. So that's what this is. But love you. Love you. 
<laughs> okay, so sweet and so fun to have Christopher back on the podcast. I have missed talking with him in this setting because I just think he's so cute and so wise and he truly has been the best partner throughout this whole podcast journey and our marriage that we've built over the last nine years. But a couple things that I wanted to expound on that I didn't touch in today's episode is about church shopping. Now, I know that I have listeners who aren't churchgoers, so to speak, but for a million reasons, I'm going to challenge you to push past your comfort zone here and find a mom's group at a church because it is just the best thing. Just think of it as built-in community along with a sweet break from your sweet kiddos and you walk out feeling refreshed. But when it comes to the idea of church shopping, let me be the first to say that the process is just horrible. The whole idea of judging a body of people and a pastor and all the aspects just feels so depressing. So I can at least say that Christopher and I shortened this cycle, at least this last time, by remotely church shopping. Because I have to say one of the only good things that came out of COVID was that most all churches have broadcasts online. So you can really try out an aspect of the church before even moving. So definitely do that. Lastly, I'd like to say that it was just really sad to talk about the bad things of moving, but it's just such a necessary part of the conversation. And as a couple, Christopher and I have really counseled different people around the concept of moving for a job and everyone has one request and it always overlaps, but they just ask us to shoot them straight. And I think this comes from that they're worried and wanting to hear all the bad things just to have their eyes as wide open as possible. So I very intentionally included the bad parts that I have seen for moving, but I would really love to hear from y'all. Have y'all moved for your husband's job? Have you moved for your job? If so, please, please, please head over to the Instagram to connect with me so we can talk about it. But with that, love y'all so much. Thanks for listening and we will talk next week. Bye.